This episode of the Better Every Shift podcast is brought to you by Lexipol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Now let's get into the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Better Every Shift podcast. My name is Aaron Zamzow. With me, as always, is Janelle Fosquette, the captain, uh, the brains behind the organization. Janelle, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Aaron? Uh, I'm great. We're going to talk a little EMS today with, I think he's kind of a mentor of the show, and he's a prominent leader in the EMS um, industry and has been for almost, over almost 30 years since Reagan was here. We're going to welcome Chris Sabalero to the show. How are you, sir? I got to tell you, man, I am so excited to be here. I'm a longtime listener, first time caller, and uh, I'm excited <laughs> to be here with you guys. I've been listening to every single show since you guys started, and uh, I got to tell you, man, this is the place to be when you're uh, when you're streaming. Uh, well, we uh, highly appreciate that, and and for those that that don't know, Chris um, has been kind of consulting behind the scenes for us. Uh, he is, he's a nationally recognized EMS leader. He's an advocate. He's also a best-selling author. He's the president and CEO of Cibolero and Associates, a medical consulting firm. Uh, he's also a member of the Forbes Coaching Council, which we may get into a little bit more. Uh, and interestingly enough, a former bat boy for the New York Mets. He's also a member of our family here at EMS One. He's on the editorial advisory board, and he's the co-host of the popular Inside EMS podcast, which drops every Friday on EMS One. It is right. also the 10-year anniversary of that podcast. Congratulations. And so, um, you know, again, welcome. We're, we're so happy you're here. We're kind of doing this crossover event between, yep. you know, Chicago Fire and Chicago Med or Chicago One, whatever those are, are now. But uh, <laughs> welcome, my friend. Man, I got to tell you, man, again, I'm excited to be here. You guys are the new Howard Stern and Robin Quivers of <laughs> Fire Rescue One. And, uh, you know, I'm excited, man. I think the show is cool. And we want to be able to get you on our show as well because we want to be able to talk about the exciting things. There's a lot of EMS folk that want to get in the fire service. And maybe we can kind of talk a little bit about that. But I'm just excited to be here with you guys to see if I can add some value to your listeners. Well, and for those that are listening to thinking EMS, this isn't just EMS. This is about culture. Uh, Chris is also, he's written books on leadership, yep. uh, all success. Um, you know, a, one of your, your books is called Dear Younger Self. And, um, you know, so you have been a prominent speaker in EMS. But yep. I mean, w when you take a step back and you look at the fire service in general, I mean, what are you seeing right now as far as, um, you know, maybe the most controversial or, or most talked about kind of topics? You know, I think the big thing that's happened over the past, you know, couple months is is we're seeing more and more EMS providers and more and more, uh, you know, uh, fire uh, responders that are now getting caught up in the, in the court cases, right? We had the big issue in Springfield where, you know, now the EMS providers are up on manslaughter charges, and, you know, the the fire service, you know, they, they were kind of coordinating to say, hey, when they ask you, make sure we're telling them this, right? And one of the things that we've got to be able to realize is that, you know, the environment is changing now. And we've got to be able to ensure that we're delivering the highest quality of patient care because what we don't know is what call is going to be national news when we're done. And I think that that's one of the big things that we've got to be able to think about from a leadership standpoint We've got to be able to ensure that our workforce is delivering the highest quality of patient care. It's the moment of truth. When they walk into somebody's house and they're on their own, you hope that all the training and you hope that all the inspiration and you hope that all the motivation that you've given them will now transfer to that patient care. So if we go ahead and put EMS together with the fire service to say, what's the big issue? We don't know when we're going to be on the national news. Not if, yeah. but when. Do you think that that's affecting recruitment? Do you think people are afraid about yeah. like the increased scrutiny? Yeah. 
I mean, think about it, even from a first responder side of our police brethren, right? I mean, what call is going to have them, uh, you know, be on somebody's camera? But it could be now when we think about this from the standpoint of recruiting and retention. I think the fire service is tight, right? I mean, I think the security of the fire service is tight. I think the opportunities within the fire service are tight. I think that the the people that want to get into it are still have the tradition in their bloodlines of wanting to be firefighters. Um, but certainly for EMS, when we think about standalone EMS, private EMS, hospital-based EMS, you know, third-party EMS, I do think that that becomes a little bit more difficult because now people are starting to see, oh my God, if I do the wrong thing, I could get uh, accused of murder and and have to go through that court thing. So, you know, we've got to be able, and I really think this comes down to a leadership you know, uh, failure, especially from an EMS standpoint, we get promoted because we've been there the longest we get promoted because, you know, they trust us because we deliver good patient care, but there really is no training when it comes to that. Unlike the fire service where you've got to be able to test and promote and so on and so forth. And I think that one of the things that we've got to do from an EMS standpoint is we've got to be able to bring the leadership skill in. We've got to be able to change our focus on how we lead people. The days of command and control and leading from a position of authority are over. And we've got to remember that the workforce is the most important component to the success of the leader as well as the organization. You know, if we if we put a, a, a definition on it, the true measurement of leadership success is how engaged, satisfied, and productive the workforce is. And uh, if we can really kind of give them the tools they need to be successful, and, and I'm going to get on a soapbox here, Sam, here, and Janelle, just, just for a little bit, we go through the hiring process and we give them tests and we give them, you know, interviews. And then when we hire them, we put them in the corner and say, raise your hand if you have a question, right? But when we think about it, you come to me with some knowledge and you come to me with some skill and you come to me with some ability, but if I don't take that and I don't increase your knowledge or skill and ability, I'm only getting what you've already given the past employer. We have to remember, I'm not hiring you for what you've done in the past. I'm hiring you for what you're going to do for me in the future. And we've got to be able to remember that. So, you know, when you think about your question, is recruiting and retention an issue because of this? I think the answer is yes, but I think the secret has to lie inside the success of the leadership team in the organizations. And they have to think proactively. I think, right, like fire has always been a reactive, right? All of a sudden this is on us. And I think EMS, you're kind of indicating the same thing. But but I know like car accidents, fires, everywhere we go, people are, like you said, we're being filmed everywhere we go. Yeah. And we need to address that in our trainings. We need to address a what what, not only like the legal side of that, but, you know, we also have to think a little bit about how does this look, which... That's another thing, right? On top of of treatment, uh, you know, do you also see that we need to be explaining to people what we do uh, as an EMS provider? I think you know it's one of the things. You know, Kelly Grayson, who's the co-host of Inside EMS, uh, is says it all the time. You know, I think we have EMS Week backwards. I think we should be celebrating EMS Week fifty-one weeks a year, and then during EMS Week we take it off to rest, right? Because you're absolutely right. People do not know what paramedics and EMTs are capable of doing. You know, they see the fire service and certainly we know the mission, you know, from an EMS standpoint, I'm running one of the largest community paramedic programs in the United States right now. We're in eight states. We have 20 EMS systems. We're working with a commercial payer to pay for uh, community paramedicine home visits. 2023, we'll expand that to 20 states. We'll have about 60 to 70 EMS systems. But what's amazing to me, guys, is that people are saying from the insurance company side, paramedics can do that? EMTs can do that? Really? Where you been in healthcare, you know, this whole time? Of course we can do that. And we can do more than that. Let me tell you what else we can do. So to your point, education is always going to be important. But I think in this community paramedicine realm, I think this is the opportunity to where we engage the community and we explain exactly what we're capable of doing. We run a community paramedic program in, in my department and it's been very successful and you're seeing that, yeah. uh, you know, throughout, I think the country, as you're talking about, can you just dive into a little bit more about what is that and what do you see? What's your vision for that? Yeah, I think, you know, we all know that. I mean, how many calls do first responders go on in, in the fire service? 
the the addresses that we know by heart. Yeah, frequent you know, flyers, to the, right? Yeah, the people that we know, we like to call them EMS loyalty program members, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, every like EMS, it. every EMS call, you get a punch on your card. The tenth one is free, right? Well, they're not paying for it anyway. But anyway, um, so now what we want to be able to do now is you mentioned that we're reactive to these nine one one calls, but what if we can be proactive to them? You know, what is keeping them from being healthy? And we talk about the social determinants of health. Do they have food insecurities? I've had people tell me in my career, I was working in Fort Worth, Texas, and they said, uh, what hospital do you want to go to? I said, Harris Methodist. No, let's go to JPS because they have roast beef today. Really? So you know the menus of these hospitals you go so much, right? Social determinants of health, food insecurity, financial challenges. Uh, They don't know their medications. They don't know their uh, conditions. You know, we had a member of our program in Iowa and there was a, a member that they were seeing that was illiterate. He came with a bag full of medications that he wasn't taking. He knows when he has to fill them. So his doctor knows that he's filling them, but he didn't know how to read them to take what he needed to take. So the paramedic community paramedic up there bought a wall clock with her own money and she put stickers on it. And she said, okay, when, when this is on the red, you take the pills in the red part of your thing. When this is on the blue, make sure you put on the blue part of the thing. And now he's able to look at the medicines and match the letters to know what he has to fill in his, you know, in his uh, pillbox, right? And then working with him through X amount of visits, they actually found a uh, program that he can learn to read. And they, well, it's just part, right? So when we think about this from a community paramedicine standpoint, what can we do for the people who can't do for themselves. Remember, I've been in EMS for a long time. I like to say since the Reagan administration, right? We've created the environment that we're in. We wanted everybody to call EMS. We wanted everybody to go to the ER. That's the way that we educated them. Now, when we find out that it's overwhelming, now that we find out that we're not going to get the reimbursement that we used to get, now everybody's saying, well, slow it down. You know, why are these people calling us? Why? Because we told them to. Yeah. It, and we did, we're we not even talking about the mental health side of this. So, um, you know, uh, there's other programs that are out there. We implemented something called the CARES program where it's, yep. it's a, I shouldn't say it's a lower tier, but it's, uh, we have actual par- paramedics that their job is to go to these, you know, uh, more uh, mental health based or behavioral health uh, issues. And they're trained on that a little bit more too, which is, I think the key there. You know, what are you seeing as far as that trend and, you know, we talked about in, in the case of someone who couldn't read, we have resources, we get it to that. But what about the mental health side of stuff? Yeah, that's the hardest one. They say that no two, two community paramedic programs are alike because they're really built around the community needs. But one of the big things that we're seeing is that mental health is the big issue. I don't like to call it mental health. Let's call it mental wellness, right? We all need a little bit of mental wellness. But one of the things that I think is important here is I, I want to touch on this really quick as well. From an EMS standpoint, from a paramedic standpoint, I want to I give you this little tip. And if you guys are taking notes out there, I want you to write this down. One of the things that we have to remember is when we see people that are having mental health challenge, we need to first be able to rule out that it's not metabolic in nature, okay? Because one of the things that we'll see the people that are our frequent flyers, our EMS loyalty program, whatever it is, but they still may have a medical condition that we're turning a blind eye to because they call us all the time. And I've gotten bitten on that before that someone that was a frequent flyer in the system that I was working in, I took them to the hospital. I didn't do much for them. And they had a blood sugar of 635 once they got there. Right. So we need to be able to ensure that one, it's not chemically induced. One, it's not metabolically induced because that's something we can do. If people are just having challenges because of mental wellness, we've got to be able to get them into the resources that they need to help them. Um, But you know what? Those are scarce and scarce and few and far between, Zam. And now we've got to be able to find those resources within the community that we can help those people to get to a better place. But one, we've got to be willing to do that because there is a lot of, especially in, in private EMS, there is a lot of indifference when it comes to folks like this. You know, I saw a, a bumper sticker. I'm sure you guys have you know seen it too. As a paramedic, I just narcaned your honor student. Where, where, where is this? Where is this coming from? Where is this wow. indifference coming from? 
we are in a profession that is, um, you know, it's an honor to go into somebody's home when they need us. You know, I'm 58 years old. I'm a little bit overweight. I got high blood pressure. I got high cholesterol. I was walking down the stairs in my home the other day, you know, my underwear, eating a block of cheese like George Costanza from Seinfeld. <laughs> and I thought to myself, what if I fell down these steps and I wasn't able to get up? I would have to be reliant on strangers coming into my house and seeing me at my worst, probably not the cutest pair of underwear either, but seeing me at my worst and having them take care of me, how embarrassing would that be for me? But never thinking about how embarrassing is it for the people that I go into their home at three o'clock in the morning and see them in the same state and them feeling the, uh, you know, how embarrassed they must be. I couldn't, I never connected those two until I thought it could be me, right? Yeah. So when people need us on what could be the worst day of their life, we've got to be able to accept that with a little bit of honor. We've got to be able to accept that with a little bit of, uh, um, you know, humility. And we've got to be able to give them the highest quality of patient care that we can. I don't know how I got on this soapbox, but when we think about this from the standpoint of who we are as EMS professionals, um, I mean, there's no better job in the world, man. Center field for the New York Yankees, but they never called me. Yeah. How about being a bat boy for the Mets? That was pretty cool, though, too. I mean, it was pretty interesting. I had that opportunity when I was 16 years old. And uh, at the time, you don't know what the heck you're doing. But uh, as you grow up, you're like, uh, you know, it's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Well, you're right. You're right. I think every firefighter and, and whether you do fire EMS, I am also an EMT. So I get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, and you're seeing that it is it is an honor. It is it is. um you know, a, a, a privilege. I, I believe like, like you said, when you walk into someone's house, they're expecting that high quality of care and, and it's their worst day. They're happy to see you. Yeah. And we need to also stay true to that. You know, that, that whole thing, uh, the wish of, of Alan Brunicini says we're here for Mr. And Mrs. Smith. It doesn't matter right. whether they call fire or EMS, but I want to go back to your leadership question and your leadership statement do you think that leadership lost track of that somewhere along the way? Yeah. You know, I think that the, the challenge with leadership is we don't lead. And I, I want to I first preface it by saying the, the meaning of the word leadership. Leadership is not a noun. It's not a position. It's not achievements. I've written, you know, four books. I've written three best-selling leadership. Does that make me a leader? No, it makes me a guy who knows how to write, right? I wrote it in crayon, but it makes no difference. <laughs> I'm still able to write. Does that make me a leader? No. You know, I was the chief of EMS during the Ferguson crisis in 2014. Does that make me a leader? No. Leadership is a verb. It's an action. We've got to be able to show our leadership every day. You know, uh, I've got a T-shirt that says um, success isn't borrowed, it's rented, and rent is due every day. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, you talk about the accomplishments that I've had. This is about creating the opportunity of success. So now when we think about leadership, we've got to be able to have the action of leadership every day. But I will go here. When we think about management and the people who are in the ivory tower and the in the oak, you know, the oak lined uh, offices, there's a disconnect between what happens in the field and what they think is happening in the field, right? They have an expectation of what should be happening, and then really the culture of what's happening in the field is different. So I don't know that there's much leadership going on inside of EMS. I think what we have is people want to have a culture that's positive, but not creating the culture is, that's positive. Remember, as I said before, the true me measurement of leadership success is how engaged, satisfied, and productive the workforce is. I don't need to worry about the budget. I don't need to worry about booking a conference room. I don't need to worry about resource management. I need to give the tools to the people who are doing the work, the hard work, going into a home at 3 o'clock in the morning that may be a drug den that they may not come out of anymore. And we've got to be able to focus on them and lead them. So I do think that that's a big disconnect when it comes to taking care of our most precious resource. By the way, the only resource inside an organization that will increase in value, fire trucks depreciate, cardiac monitors depreciate, uh, vehicles depreciate, right? But our workforce, we can increase in value. Yeah. Yep. Exponentially too, if you invest in uh, training them and in their, their mental wellness and, and health also. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that we have to do that. I think that when we think about resiliency, it's a failure of leadership to get them ready to understand the things that they may see. You know, there's a couple good points here that I want to make. When we think about that, um, the stress that they're going to see and the burnout that they're going to see and, and you know, the three-month-old that's in cardiac arrest and the, and, and the parents who are wailing because they've just lost their son or daughter, their first son or daughter, that's, that's hard for a young man to take, right? And when we think about this, Kelly Grayson and I had a discussion on our show about should we lower the uh, certification level to 16 years old? No, we shouldn't lower it to 16 years old just for the things that we're seeing, right? So we've got to be able to ensure that we're working our plan. You know, I use this, I use this analogy all the time. What's the, what's the number one call that gives the EMS provider, the fire first responder, the most trepidation? Usually people say it's pediatrics, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, here's what I got to say. First off, I say to the EMS provider or to the people who know that that's a challenge, what are you doing to make it a strength? Are you just waiting for the cardiac arrest that you don't know how to deal with to figure it out? That's too late. But me as an EMS leader, if I know that that's a weakness for my workforce, what am I doing to make it a strength for them? Because when a mother hands you that three-month-old that's in cardiac arrest and you don't do anything about it, I'm just as culpable as you are because mm -hmm. it was a weakness for you. Number two, you talk about, we talked about the leadership aspect of what we need to think about. What do we want from our leaders? We want them to be professional. We want them to be look good in their uniform. We want them to have good communication skills. We want them to have conflict resolution skills. We want them to be able, be able to be uh, inspiring and motivating. What do we want from our workforce? We want them to be professional. We Same want thing. them to look good in their uniform. We want them to have good communication. Our workforce are the leaders of our organization as well because we want the same thing from them. So I got off on a tangent. I, I don't want to, I want to, I want to give you back your show. Janelle, I know you got a question. <laughs> I can see it. I can see, it. I, I can smell it. You got a question. I'm sure you. <laughs> well, I want to try and connect the dots here a little bit between leadership, the story you were talking about, the um, community paramedicine programs. There are so many I'm just seeing an uptick in different departments trying different programs. And like you said, they're all kind of a snowflake. Everyone's trying something a little bit different that aligns with what their community needs. Um, but we know everybody needs something. What's yeah. What we're doing right now doesn't work. Yeah. And you've got so many individuals, like the person you mentioned, who's literally buying a clock and putting stickers on it. <laughs> now, we're expecting people... To do that, I mean, well, let me back up. Maybe that's not the expectation, but the people care and they are stressed and they are burned out and they are doing this on their own, their own money, you know, their own time. And so how do we connect the leadership component so there's a more proactive plan and a system in place to relieve this burden from the individuals who are just like, I guess I'll go to Target and buy a clock, yep. you know? And put something in place that can have a meaningful change for the entire community that doesn't rest on one person having a really good attitude and going out of her way for an individual. Yeah. It's very easy, man. Here, here's the answer. We need to reverse the organizational chart. We need to put the workforce at the top of the organizational chart. And we need to do everything that we can to ensure that they're making them as successful as they could be. People don't know my name. When they when those paramedics and EMTs and firefighters go in the house, they know their name. They see their name, right? We've got to be able to ensure that they have everything. They, nobody works for me. I work for them as a leader. I've got to be able to give them what they need. The disconnect is we are not giving the employees. Remember, I said earlier when you come to me, you got some knowledge, you got some skill, you got some ability. But if I don't grow that, I'm only getting what you already gave somebody else. And again, I'll reiterate, because I think it's important, if you're taking notes, write this down. We've got to be able to ensure that they're able to be successful and do what they need to do for the organization to be successful, for the leader to be successful. And I, I think we missed that. We missed that component. I got I to tell you, man, let me be honest with you. I was this leader earlier in my career. One of my books you were talking about is Ultimate Leadership, 10 Rules for Success. Those were the rules I had to develop to become a good leader. 
they were based on my failures and they were based on my mistakes and they were based on my rule number one, never allow your emotions to dictate your actions. How, how do you think I learned that rule? Right? So what we have to be able to do now is remember the, the, the you know, what leadership is about. You want the secret to how to motivate a workforce? You want a secret on how to inspire your workforce? Treat them like they're your clients and customers. I say this in leadership all the time. And then watch how they treat your patients in, the, you know, in that look. And I think we miss that, man. I think that's the big missing point. Yeah, I love that. You're flipping it, right? But, but ultimately, you have Mr. and Mrs. Smith on the top. Then you have the front line. Then that goes down to, you know, middle management and then, yep. you know, your chiefs and and that. And, and right. That's, your, that's a, that's a great customer service model that in the fire service, I think sometimes we, you know, and you've, you've listened and I know that you've listened, you're our third listener besides Janelle's mom and my mom, that's by right. the way, thank you, buddy, that you've, you've heard some of the great leaders that we've had in the fire yep. service. And they talk about that. They, they say, I serve, you know, the field, the field ser serves the, mem the, the membership or the community. Yeah. And that's the best way we can uh, branch off to them. Now we talked about leadership and we talked about, um, you know, obviously then that leader down below, they need to understand the stresses of the job. And we touched a little bit about it, but I wanted to go back to talk a little bit about, you know, what are you seeing as far as general health, wellness, stress of, mm -hmm. of the EMS, um, you know, and fire service in general, and and what's your take on that, and and what is a leader to do? Well, I think first off, we got to care about. You know, leadership is all about servant service. I believe in servant leadership. At my foundation of who I am, I'm a servant leader. Right. Um, I thought that when I became a leader, I can make a difference. My difference was horrible in the beginning, uh, but then I had to learn how to do things differently. And, um, but that doesn't mean we, we get rid of all the other leadership styles. I have to be transactional. I have to be transformational. Sometimes I got to be autocratic. I mean, you know, leading a six month employee is not the way I lead a 20 year employee. So I still have different leadership styles in that palette of color that I have. Right. But at my core, it's about serving the workforce. I knew I, I was a paramedic that sat on a truck that didn't have the equipment to do his job that didn't have, you know, my ideas listened to, that had poor leadership. I knew what that was like. And I said, I want to be different when I got to be a leader. Well, again, I was worse. But then I, through that experience and through those failures and through those lessons learned, if I didn't learn those lessons, I was just as culpable as some of these leaders who aren't learning the lesson. The biggest problem I had was my ego. I wanted to get as high as I could, as fast as I could. I wanted to be able to have the resume that I was able to, but it was all about me, right? This isn't about me. These are the people who may go into somebody's home at three o'clock in the morning, EMS and fire professionals alike, or brethren in the police department, that they may not come out. That's what we have to prepare them for. Yeah. And physically, mentally, emotionally, and then give them a s support along that, that, yeah. that way. Right. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest thing you're seeing as far as, uh, you mentioned a couple of times, um, you know, you're seeing, and we've talked about violence a little bit, uh, you know, in the workforce, uh, what other things are you seeing? I mean, you, obviously violence is one that you're, you, you're seeing, yeah. uh, stress, PTSD. I mean, what else in, in the EMS world is really kind of driving leadership and, and, and making you kind of look look and go, okay, we got to address this. You know, one of the things that I think is important is we're not as revered as, I don't know, necessary as we used to be, right? Would you ever imagine 20 years ago that someone would be disrespectful to a police officer? Would you have imagined 20 years ago that someone would have punched an EMS provider in the face? Would you, I mean, so when we think about the work that we're doing, are we culpable in the communities treating us the way that they're treating us? I do think that the 24-hour news cycle is a challenge. I do think that the stupidity on TikTok and Instagram that's being filmed, you know, uh, people being rude to, I don't have to give, you know, the people, it just irritates me. You know, I don't have to give you my license. I don't have to tell you where I live. I don't have to tell you what I... You know what? I mean, in five minutes, I'll tell you, you know, here's my license. I'm going to the block and you're on your way. 
They're doing these things because they want to be able to have something that's going to go viral for them and blah, blah, blah. So I do think that the community's belief in the fire service and EMS and the police department has shifted. And I don't know that it's for the better. Well, and I think it's interesting because, you know, like you mentioned with the police 20 years ago or however many years ago, could you have imagined, right? And now things are, that same issue is moving over, bleeding over a little bit into other areas of public safety. You know, we've been working on our What Firefighters Want annual survey, which is all based on stress and staffing, workload issues. And it seems like there's a bit of a breaking point happening. Mm -hmm. Stress levels are very high. Staffing challenges are very high. People feel like they've been asked to do more and more and more. One thing that came up in a planning call was this idea of, you know, is there going to be a point where we have a call, like something like what happened in Memphis, where firefighters, EMS, you know, the reputation flips and it changes the game. Right now, people still believe, you know, we want to believe that the fire service is trusted blindly almost, right? But then, you know, all it could take potentially is one incident to really change the public's perception. Is there going to be something that happens that is just going to cause that further, um, you know, questioning of the trust trust or undermining of the trust of, of yeah, you man. know, within public safety overall? I think the question isn't if it happens, it's when it happens. I mean, yeah. I was in the smallest community that you can pick in Missouri, Ferguson, Missouri. I never imagined that this place would be on world news mm -hmm. because of what happened there. You know, when you think about Memphis, it, it, could that happen? And could that, and could that uh, affect public trust? It has happened and it has affected public trust. I can't believe that I see some of the things that I see being a first responder. When you have a, when you have a police officer who's planting evidence Wearing a body camera, where, where's where's the thought of that? You know, where, you know, people are wearing body cameras and they're doing things that they shouldn't do. I, I don't get upset if you want to film me doing my job. I, I welcome you to do that. Why? Because I'm going to give 100 percent of the care. I'm going to give them my best skill, my best ability. I'm going to use my knowledge to deliver the highest quality of patient. And I want everybody to film it. And I want everybody to post it. And I want and we got to stop telling people, stop filming us because you're worried about what we're going to do wrong and people are going to catch it. If we don't do things wrong, we don't have to worry about that stress. Our job in a 24 hour cycle is to hear the tones, get in the apparatus, deliver, you know, respond and be there in four minutes, be a first responder, be the professional that we are, represent our community, represent our career field. And we don't have to worry about all that stuff. Now, to your point, more stress because people are calling in sick because we're short staff. I was talking to, I forget what position he had from Austin EMS. That's 70 positions short at Austin EMS, man. So that means I got to pick up more slack. And how do I do that? One, I got to be willing to do that. But I got to remember that I got to take time for myself as well. So from a leadership standpoint, we got to understand work-life balance. We got to understand uh, what they're going through. And we have to respect it. And that's where I think we have a little bit of challenge. Yeah. You know, you mentioned... You mentioned some of the positive things though, right? Like you love EMS. I love, I actually, I'll say it right now. I'll declare, I love, I love EMS side of things. I love fire, but I, I understand like in my community, they go hand in hand and one, one actually fuels the other. Like the, for us, it's a, a very balanced, um, service, you know, but what are the, some of the positive things you're seeing in EMS right now? You know, I think the, the positive thing is that, um, you know, I, I COVID was a horrible thing for everybody, wasn't it? Yeah. It was just horrible, yeah. man. I, I still sleep. I still wear my mask when I leave my office just to feel that comfort of wearing a mask. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. I was, <laughs> trying, to be, I was trying to be funny, but they're not all fun. <laughs> yeah. But I do think some of the things that we got from that is our ability to move with the time to give people what they need. So I think from that, we're starting to see a lot of organizations who are developing better practice based on the challenges that we've had to ensure that we do better the next time. 
Um, you know, we, we try to train and do the best that we can to deliver the highest quality of patient care on what could be a patient's the worst day of their life. And the ability for us to be dynamic and fluid and to deliver that makes me proud to be a paramedic at every, every turn. We, we are very anticipatory about what we need. Okay. We are not reactionary to what we need now, you know, some tradition in there, but we now start to think about what's the next best thing, what next big thing that we have to be able to be part of. EMS has taken the lead in a lot of things. Usually we are, we were, we were waiting for our ER brethren to have some type of tool that we said, Hey, we could use that too. But now when we think about capnography and now when we think about, you know, all the things that we, you know, in CPAP treatments, we're leading those charges now. Right. And I think that, you know, modern day EMS isn't 60 years old. There's still a lot of pioneering left to do. I certainly think the community paramedicine movement is going to be big. Uh, I know that there was a survey that just came out that's showing some fire and, you know, some fire uh, professionals don't want to be part of EMS and they don't want to do EMS. I'd be interested to know what the age range and that breakdown is. I think more of the people who are coming in now know that that's part of the business. I think the people that were thrown into it have a little bit of resentment for it, right? But I, I do think the community paramedicine is going to be the answer to that because I believe that in the next five to 10 years, we're going to be a community health-focused career field that sometimes has to do ambulance calls. So if we can be more proactive with our members, with our patients, um, and get them what they need before they go into crisis, we're not running as many calls as we used to in a day. Yeah. What, what advice would you give for the fire service on that? You know, like you had mentioned somebody that maybe doesn't want to, you know, do EMS or whatever, but I mean, what, what do you, what do you say to that too? And our listeners primarily probably fire. Um, but we also understand that this is kind of the way that things are going. You know, we had yeah. talked off camera too, that I think fire is going to get busier just with yep, yep. all the different batteries and, and everything. So, you know, uh, what's your advice to the fire side? You know, the, the realization is this is not about you, right? You have a skill, you have, you have knowledge, right? Somebody may be calling for BS, but remember we developed that. We wanted them to call EMS whenever they had a problem, you know, um, when they had an emergency, right? But the 17 year old who just found out she was pregnant, that's an emergency to her right? They don't know how to define that emergency. So one of the things that I would coach you on is to say, the people who are dialing 911 need your expertise at that particular point in time. It may be BS. You know, it may be, why are you calling me for knee pain at three o'clock in the morning? God, I hate those calls, but you know what? I'm going to give them my professionalism. I'm not going to let the situation dictate my professionalism. I'm not going to let poor leadership dictate my professionalism. It's my reputation. It's my name. It's my ability to give care that I'm putting on the line every time I walk into somebody's house. Number two is, man, you're part of the one of the biggest brotherhoods in the United States of being a firefighter, of being police, a police officer, being an EMS provider. We represent our career field as well. We represent our community as well. Every single fire apparatus has whatever community fire department on it. You've got to be able to be bigger than yourself to represent your agency, to represent your career field and deliver the best you got on every single call. And I'll go back to what I said in the beginning. We don't know what call is going to be on national news the next time the call, the tones go out. Yeah. And hopefully it's for the right reasons. If we have, if we're doing exactly what you're saying, they can't, they can't put not put us on for other than providing the best service. You know, you'd be that that heartwarming moment instead of that other moment uh, that that everyone talks about that viral moment for the bad reasons. You could be that viral moment for the good reasons, right? Right, right. Yeah. Janelle, well, you look we, like you got a question. You got a question, Janelle. You're looking at me like I got a good question for you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't have one, make um, one up. I put you on a spot. <laughs> she always does. Uh, look I always have a question. Um, what do you say to the folks who you feel like they just, the, well, let's, let's call them what they are. Firefighters who just like to hate on EMS. They just don't want to do it. They're just going to complain. You know, it doesn't stress them out per se. They just don't want to do it. You know, I mean, you've got to be able to balance. I mean, this isn't about you saying, I don't want to do it. This is about your 
responsibility for the department saying they're going to do it. And if you are part of that department, you have no right, you have no right to bring the professionalism and dedication of that department into a lower rung on the ladder. You've got to be able to exceed the expectation because the people who pay the taxes, that pay the salary, that buy the apparatus, that need you and want you when that when those tones go off, when they dial those three numbers on the phone, that's what it represents, man. Yeah, you know what? I don't want to be anywhere near. The, only, the closest I want to be to a fire is when I light the barbecue on a Saturday, right? But there are people that don't want to take care of other people. But unfortunately, it's the nature of the beast, man. And you've got to be able to do it and represent it in a way that's professional, that's dedicated, and that's committed to the oath that you took as a firefighter. Yeah, doesn't well, matter. I, service is service. You got Maybe I overshot. I don't know. Maybe it was just too much. No, that was awesome. Uh, it was very well said. And, you know, you're... you're um, your energy is, and I love your enthusiasm, obviously from a high energy guy to another high energy guy, poor Janelle is going to have to take a nap after this uh, <laughs> episode, but, I, um, but I, I think you're, I, I appreciate your insight. Cause I think you're, you're spot on and, um, thank you for being here. We got, we have one more thing that we always do though. We like to throw people into the, under what we call a hot seat. And they're typically questions that Janelle's mom and my mom come up with. Let's be honest, because they're most lawyer. I'm just the kidding. only ones listening um, to the show. Yeah, they're the ones listening <laughs> to the show. But we like to just uh, try to light it up a little bit and and get a little more insight into you and your fire and your um, you know motivation and just who you are. So I I have a, a great one to start with because you're a high energy guy. You have your own show. Uh, you've done. You've spoken internationally. Let's say we're, we're going to have this uh, a huge seminar, you know, right? We got everybody there, um, and you are the uh, you're the premier speaker. What is your walk up song? Oh my god! Let the bodies hit the floor. I think this is a good question, also because no. of his Bat Boy days, right? Like I don't know, we had that back many... then. We didn't have that back then, you know. But you can imagine like walking up to the plate, you know, the player coming that's up. Right. Like, what is that song that's yeah. booming through the arena? I kind of like the wheels on the bus. I think that that's a really good song, man. The wheels on the bus go round and round, <laughs> round and round. You know, but I don't know, man. I, I don't know that I've ever thought about, you know, what would be my walk up song and. um Usually I have a hot mic on when people introduce me and I'm starting my talk as I make it to the stage, but I couldn't give you a song, man. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't know what to do. Maybe Big Shot by Billy Joel. Well, there you go. Yeah. Perfect. There you go. Well, my theme, yeah. my theme song used to be in the 80s. You may be right. I may be crazy. So, I mean, I couldn't. Okay. But I, I don't know. I wouldn't know what to pick. So that was, a, let's call that one a failure. So I didn't, wasn't able to answer that question. Maybe just silence. <laughs> Right? right, just right. this aura of silence walks up like this. Guy you know, the silent crazy. movie. That's right. From yeah. all the old days, doing a little pantomime. <laughs> you can mime your way that's up right. to the stage. <laughs> Here he comes. <laughs> Sorry. I'll try to answer right, the next the... one better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Hot seat. What's your most memorable call? You know, I I, I believe that. Uh, what's kept me in EMS for as many years, and most people will say that this is cold and callous. When you call me, um, I'm going to give you the best that I got. I'm going to give you compassion. I'm going to give you my skill. I'm going to give you all my years of experience. I'm going to make you feel like there's nobody more important in the world. But when I close the doors at the hospital, my job is done. I don't go and see what happened to you after the call. I don't want to know if you got released. I don't want to. I don't care. And it's not that I don't care, but I think for the purposes of my survival and my mental wellness, I don't need to know that you died after I busted my ass to save you on the way to the hospital, right? But one of the things that's eaten at me from the most memorable call that I've had is a 16-year-old girl. So I want you to picture this. We go into the home and we go through the front door and we stop. To our right is a room. To our left is a room. Then you can go up the stairs and go across the balcony to the bedrooms, or you go straight under the balcony or the, the, whatever it is. And you go into the kitchen. Can you picture it? I mean, can we picture those houses? I opened the door and saw this 16 year old hanging from that 
stairway from that landing. Balcony. And that lived with me for many, many, many years. And I think it was memorable for me because I felt like um, I didn't belong there. This wasn't my emergency. And come to find out, she had a boyfriend, was 21 or 22 years old. He broke up with her, told her she was no good, ba 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 ba. You know, one shoe on, one shoe off on the floor. To me, it was memorable because I had to be able to grow in a way that I was able to deal with those calls a little bit more um, with a little bit more understanding. And it's the only call in my career that has stayed with me the most. And when I think that I have a tough life or when I think I'm in a tough situation, it's, it's not hanging from that landing. Yeah. Yeah. So you're using that. That sucked the energy right out of the room, didn't it? Yeah. But, but you know what? It's, it's, we all have them. Um, and if you don't, you, you will. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think you, you, you kind of, you brought up something. It's, you reframe a little bit. You have to reframe it and put it in the context of your own life. And I think, yeah. you know, um, that's, that's what we do. Right. And we also, we go from the highs and the laughter of what's your walk up song to this call. Right. This that's is, point. this is yeah. a shift. And, and, um, and then you try to reframe it the best you can and, and use the tools that you have. And that's where you put everything together, fitness, sleep, nutrition, family to deal with that call. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what makes you grow. And, and if, and if you're not growing from that, seek some help because you exactly. need to be able to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, and I, I live on the fact that it's not my emergency. I was just placed into it. It's not my emergency. Yeah. And the quality of care is not going to change. You're going to give it your best quality uh, of, of, of care regardless, you know? So no, thank you for sharing that. You're right though. These are supposed to be a little more, uh, upbeat. Upbeat, All right, let me but... try the next one. Is there a next one? Oh yeah. All right. Let me yeah. hear it. I'll, I'll try to do uh, better next time. Well, maybe I, I, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> you, you've done. And again, thank you for sharing. Cause I, I, I think we can all relate to that. And that's yeah. what this show is about is trying to get better. How can you use a call like that? And reframe it and be better because of it. Um, yeah. which let me you give did. you a little, little tip. Let me let me give people a little bit of coaching. As as a leadership coach, I want to give you this. You, everyone has a skill, has knowledge, has ability, that if you don't share it with other people, you do them a disservice. And there are people that want to get into speaking, and there are people who want to get into writing, and there are people who want to be leaders in their community. I encourage you to do that because there are people out there who need you to do what you do for them. And you may not think you have a skill. You may not think you're just a, you know, just a regular person, but there is somebody out there like you who needs you and you got to give them what you got. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps to talk to them, yeah. right? Like I, everybody's got a story, but the, it, there's so many common things in everyone's story Yeah, and you, and you don't know that until you share. Right. Exactly. And, and, and that's what, that's what this show is about. I know that's what your show is about as well. And speaking of your show, who is, uh, who's the best interview or what's the best interview you ever had on your 10 years of doing the podcast on EMS one? Well, Janelle has been on, I think that she's been probably one of my favorite guests. Janelle, <laughs> haven't you been on the show? Right? Weren't you on the show? I've been on the show. I don't. I don't, I don't know. Remember? I don't. You know, think I think so. that there's been so many. I mean, <laughs> I, I love the ability to bring guests on the show. There's also just the, you know, just the topics that Kelly and I talk about. Uh, you know, we have fights and arguments about different things. You know, the last one we had was about, uh, you know, lowering the certification to 16 years old, um, which was ridiculous. He's just ridiculous. Everybody, you know, not Kelly Grayson, he's ridiculous. <laughs> You know, do we need ultrasounds on a truck? I mean, no, we don't. I'm always going to be against that. You know, but I think some of the great guests that we've had are the ones who are really dedicating themselves to bettering EMS. You know, Dr. Peter Antevi is a great guest. Uh, he created the Hantevi system that allows people to um, be able to dose medication for pediatrics and, you know, just all around great guy. Dan Limmer's a great guest who has focused his life on helping people pass the national registry certification exam, our own Greg Fries, who is, 
uh, our editorial director for Lexapol. Um, you know, he's somebody that has great stories. And people don't, what they don't know about Greg is he, for a lot of years, and again, it's it's got to be, I don't know, we got to ask him, uh, five, ten years, did the EMS Educast with a couple great leaders, a couple great educators in the United States. And given the tools that educators needed to be successful. So he's got great insight. So I really love the guests that are able, you know, I said, you've got something that people need to hear. So it's the people that really have that uh, gift uh, to share the things that they need to be successful. Now, can you uh, convert that? Let's take that in addition to the debates and discussion you have with Kelly. I want to hear your 30-second pitch for Inside EMS for folks who have not listened to it before. Go. So I got to tell you, man, come on and check out Inside EMS over there on EMS One. You know, Inside EMS is all about the things that's happening inside EMS. There are two paramedics sitting in a truck, and they're talking about all the things that are happening inside EMS. They're talking about the two yahoos up in Springfield that have had the challenge now that they're facing murder charges. They're talking about, do we really need ultrasound in the truck? They're talking about where we're going to eat lunch today. They're talking about the crappy leaders that they have. Kelly takes this from a side of being a provider with my expertise in leadership. Sometimes I take it from the leadership realm and we have those debates and we have those discussions and we talk about everything that's going on inside EMS, hence the name. Come over and check us out and you're going to hear these. Zam, Janelle, I want you to come on the show. I want you to go ahead and talk about the things that you, great things you're doing here. Um, but go ahead and give us a shot and just listen to it. If you've got ideas that you want to hear on Inside EMS, send them to us at the show at EMS1.com and we'll go ahead and produce those shows and we'll put them on for you. But that's my elevator speech. I'm getting off. The doors have opened. <laughs> I like it. I Perfect. Like it. Perfect way to end it. Hey, thanks so much, Chris. We love your energy, brother, um, and your insight. Spot on with uh, with everything we talked about. And uh, we look forward to, at least I do, I don't know about Janelle. Janelle, how, uh, you, Janelle looks forward. We she's look coming. Forward, yeah. She's coming, too. Janelle, don't show. If, I got to tell you, Zam, if Janelle doesn't come, you're not welcome. How about that? Oh, yeah, wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, That's okay. good. Yeah. She's you know what, though? That, the, after going through FDI, I'm used to that, by the way. Okay. It's always like, you can't come in. All right, you're with her. You guys can come in together. Yeah. And so Janelle's to mom told me to say that, by the way. We talk all the time about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks again for all the insight, for all My the yeah. energy, brother, and for um, just being you and what you're doing for the fire service and for EMS and EMS One. Um, again, take a listen to Chris. You can uh, reach out to him, EMS One Podcast. Uh, you can also watch this and watch us on the Fire Rescue One YouTube page. You can also reach out to us at Better Every Shift at FireRescueOne.com. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Please rate and review the show. And if you, again, you're listening, this is even better on video. Believe it or not, <laughs> it is better on video, YouTube, and uh, also FireRescueOne.com. I didn't know I had and to be dressed for this, by the way. So I'm sorry. <laughs> see, exactly. So to see what he's talking about. Uh, take a, a watch on YouTube. Uh, but most importantly, everybody, make sure that you learn something, do something, share something to make you and those around you better every shift. Thanks for listening.